Welcome to the Three Guys Podcast, hosted by Brian, Derek, Brett, and our wonderful co-host, Jennifer. Hello. How are you, Jennifer? I'm great. How are you guys doing? Well, doing well. It's uh, It's been a while, so thank you for uh, holding it down uh, the last couple of times for us. Yeah, you know, I hope you doing fun stuff. I guess, I guess so. Yeah, not too much, but hopefully my brother and uh, Brian have been, uh, you know, doing what they're supposed to be doing. Well, we just beat down on Brian, so, you know, <sighs> feel bad for the guy. Yeah, yeah, it seems like that's the uh, where it always goes back to. Well, yeah, we've, had, yeah. we've had some fun, man. I feel like we were just talking about, you know, to, you know, what our, sort of where we, the spaces that we've been in. And, man, I feel like we've done, we've been, we've done history, we did some career stuff. You know, with with the Beanhouse business chats, we talked about a couple of business topics, and before that, we had a local buddy on who had his own business. Uh, so I feel like we've been covering so so much, man. I'm going to get back to the uh, uh, mental wellness and um, physical wellness space today, which I think will be which will be fun to chat about for sure. Yeah, I think that uh, you got that episode with Jess. I mean, I think you guys asked some really good questions. I think there was a you know a lot of good feedback there in terms of like that that job piece you know um kind of people find it a different direction it's just crazy how many people are doing that right now every industry is like like you're just totally up and changing you know so god bless all those people that are doing it yeah Um, i tell you my my walmart story because i I, you guys know i worked at walmart one of my first jobs did not no yeah so one of the things this is when they were first opening stores up here in northeast so you had all these Southerners that would come up here and teach us all us, you know, it was back in those nineties. It was, you know, there was not, it didn't have those companies here like you do now. So anyway, it would be, you know, they had this thing called loss prevention. No, what they, they call it zone defense. Zone defense is what they called it. You guys know what that is? No, no, they didn't tell us. <laughs> so, so the zone defense is this thing. Well, you would think it's like a football thing, right? Where you play zone. <laughs> That's what yeah. you, I thought it was. So zone defense is basically when they clean up and they straighten up all the um, merchandise. So yeah. a picture after the end of a long day when like people like my kids come in and move stuff all over the store. As employers, em- the employees had to go in and get it, get it out, get it, and, and, and straighten it. So that when you came in the next day, the customers came in, they saw a nice, clean, organized store. I thought it might just been like a long day. You were just so frustrated. You just go down clotheslining people. <laughs> it was some f bombs dropped during that time. Maybe some. Things that weren't, I can't repeat here on the podcast. So, so there, can I say one thing? Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, sorry, Brett. Go ahead. No, no, no. Let's go ahead, buddy. I, I listened to Derek's episode today that he did on the autocast. Derek did an outstanding job oh. on that. I really. A little late to the game on that one. Huh? I know, man. I, I know. Yeah, I know, right? It's been out there for three months. Sorry. He's like <laughs> sleeping. Way to support the podcast, man. Yeah, I know. Thanks. Sorry. <laughs> sorry, Chris. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, he, he, that was. It was an awesome, uh, awesome episode. So someone brought a really good question the other day that actually they heard from something else. Um, actually, it was Barbara. Um, uh, Bob, Bob Ram. So if you, so this was the question. If you had, like, if you were going to run a two-day festival, music festival, right? And you could pick the headliners and the people that played before, who would they be? But then I thought more about it and I said, the, the two days, right? The first night are people that are currently living. 
pick one headliner and pick five people to play before or four people to play before them. And the second night are people that have passed away, one headliner and four people to play before them. That's too wow. much to remember. Right. You're really more complicated. Than good. I think it's yeah. <laughs> so 10 bands. It's like an SAT question. So who are your, who are your two headliners for living and dead? Man, I love, for me, I love all kinds of music. I really do. I could either go like a Carrie Underwood because she puts on an incredible, incredible performance. Um, I could go Bon Jovi. I've seen him several times and he's a great headliner. Those would probably be my top two for living. I thought it'd be interesting if you had a good headliner or whatever headliner you chose, but really mix them up like the genre up on those nights. So like yeah. you go like maybe Jay-Z headlines, but before that you have like Frankie Valley, and then you go to like, um, I don't know the weekend, but um, maybe Beyonce, then it's totally, you know, Maroon five. And then you go to someone else and it just really changes and then boom, but dead. Who think, would... Go ahead. Sorry. No, I think, I think that's, that's what I would do is you kind of, you can have one of each genre and then you're right. You sum it up with one. Big, huge headliner. Yeah, yeah. Who would you choose that would pass away? Can you tell that guy behind you to not slam doors? Anymore? I know, you guys. I'm I know, so no sorry. <laughs> I'm like, where are you? I'm like, I see people walking down the street. Hey, and then so, he gives like a little stare too, a creepy yeah. stare. Oh my gosh. So the spot, so we live in a condo building and we live in a one bedroom. I'm not sure when David gets home. So <laughs> anyway, so I come down to the, to the space, which there's hardly ever anybody in, but now people are coming and going because it's, after work the spot that i usually sit in there's like sunset so the sun is changing uh, anyway gotcha. i know you so no you really look at you really live in a nice place i mean the way i was looking at my nice stairs long stairs. I, I thought she was in a penthouse there for i did too oh no <laughs> no no i work for hotels guys <laughs> well, exactly. so, who's, so who's the who's the headliner jp that's a good question who's for your headliner the, for Dead. who's no longer with us um Headliner? I don't know. I'm going like Otis Redding is sticking into my mind, but I don't know why. That's not a he was good, but I don't think he's a headliner. I don't know. I mean, if you think about it, Elvis Presley, the Beatles. I mean, some of the beat, I mean some of the Beatles are still there, but I was thinking Frank Sinatra. Sinatra, yeah. Yeah. Jimi Hendrix. I I also don't want to offend somebody by saying that they're dead and they're not dead. Uh, that's true. Tupac. Tupac. Sure. He, he, yeah. he could be listening he's, to the show. He's listening like, to the Three Guys podcast. Hey, Lily Elizabeth Watkins is chasing him around for us so she can find him. Oh, no, we were going to find them and then send it to her. And she, yeah. <laughs> well, they do the holograms now, right? It could yeah. happen. Yeah. yeah they I was going to say someone who's in between, the headline who's no longer with us is Prince. That's mm. a good one. Michael Jackson. Yeah. 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 Derek, who would you choose? Yeah. I just meant for someone who's not the headline the show Prince. Yeah, yeah, someone who's no longer alive. Yeah, I would say Prince because he can go either way with his music. What about what about living for a living? Not Brian Nazarian. Yeah, probably good show. Um, That's a good question. I mean, you know, the easy answer is Jesus. I know you made fun of me before that, though. What? It was too difficult. 
No, I didn't say that. I just said I'm trying to think of the easy answer to be Jay-Z, right? I mean, but you're trying to find someone of all uh, Yeah, that's what genre. I thought, too. You know, I mean, someone who is who could cater to everyone. Um, what about but, you went to Western McCall? You really like Justin Timberlake. Justin Timberlake, yeah, he's good. Yeah, he'd be good. to Rolling Stones? Yeah. 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 Um, what about this? Bringing back, like, um, what's um, from Queen? Oh, yeah. Pretty um, Mercury. Mercury. Yeah. yeah. So that, you know what, that'd be a good one to lead off. I mean, every that time con- I- that concert, remember the UK years and years ago? Did you see the movie with um, yeah. Bohemian Rhapsody? Really Unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah there's, a, there's a lot of good people. And I mean, look at Amy Winehouse, too. I never listened to her, but, you know, people might like her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you try to find someone who fits everyone, right? That everyone can say, hey, I like their music and his or her music and fits into to today's. Yeah. Brian? Yeah, I think I think you guys hit the one I would say. I mean, Michael, Michael Jackson, because he's because he's more of an entertainer. So it's the singing plus plus the dancing. I told the story a couple episodes ago when I went and saw Ricky Martin. Question I have for you though, Brian, would you bring Michael Jackson? And it was like you were at one big club with 30,000 people there. Say that one more time. As I said, the question I have for you though, Brian, would you bring Michael Jackson back knowing all the stories behind him now? Listen, man, you gotta separate you gotta separate the no, but the remember if you had it's a headline show, right? Music. <laughs> you want people you want people in there, right? Are you saying are you saying would I would I not bring him in because of his because of all the stuff about him? Like that what you know thing? now. All is with you. Yeah, because Listen, man, you're like not saying, you, you wouldn't be able to bring in any any you wouldn't be able to bring in any musicians if you found out. <laughs> That's a big difference between that and what he did. There's possibly Pasika, what he did. In fact, Pasika, Pasika had told told us in last week's show that her dream job. I don't know if you guys heard it. Oh, you see, I know you heard it. I'm sorry, I know you have heard it. Her her dream job would be. Uh, I'm going to admit, uh, Destiny is the second. I'm going to say this clearly so it doesn't screw up on editing. Jen's Jen's dream job would be a lounge singer. So we can have Jen come in. I really? I didn't say lounge singer. <laughs> I said entertainer. <laughs> All I could think of lounge singer was like, uh, what was it called? Las Vegas with uh, Michael Douglas. I want to clarify. What's that Michelle, the Fabulous Baker Boys? That's all I can think about. <laughs> it was Las Vegas where he goes in and he meets the woman who's wanted to be a lounge singer all her career, all her life. That was her dream job. I could see you there, Jen, right? Just saying, hey, how you doing, guys? Hey, how you doing tonight? Uh, hi, Nancy. Okay, so real quick before we introduce Nancy. So I just Googled most famous dead artists. So here's what comes up. Jimi Hendrix, he'd be really good. Kurt Cobain. Mm. Oh, I forgot about Yeah, see, Janis Joplin, uh, Prince. Those were the top ones. You should ask our guest that question, Jennifer. Oh, I bet. Okay. What was the question? What was the question? She's coming. Go ahead. So if you could have any artist headline two nights, right? Headline. Uh, First night, the artist is still currently living. Second night, the artist has already passed. Who would you pick as the headliners? Oh, um, you know, it's crazy because I don't, I don't know a lot of like the new, like I was watching the, um, the MTV Music Awards. I'm like, I don't even know who any of these people are. I don't know. I don't know what they sing. I don't know who they are. I don't know anybody. But um, 
it'd be a toss up probably between Janis Joplin and Prince. Mm. Um, oh, Janis Joplin, that's a good one. Yeah, they're just, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of who's. All right, I'm give me a moment. I'm surprised Brian yeah. didn't mention Jim Morrison like we talked about last week. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I forgot about Jim. Another, that's a good one. Let me look. Hold on. I know. So I was like, let me. Do <laughs> <laughs> um, it's hard because every time Pete, somebody's popping into my head, unfortunately, they're not here anymore. So those are the ones that are popping in. <laughs> well, maybe, are the same. <laughs> maybe, maybe Michael Buble. I don't know. I love, my I brother loves Michael Bublé. Yeah, that was not a, um, he wasn't even on my radar. Although he's been, you know, he's been around forever. He was not even on my radar until a couple of weeks ago. Really? Ago. Would, you, yeah. would you watch like a documentary on him or something? No, I just heard one song and that was it. Gotcha. Yeah. Who, who would you do like to, on the the people that passed away, who would you have to kind of um, do the um, the pre-performance for them before the headliner? Before the before the headliner, the like people the that passed away. Yeah, the openers. Yeah, I yeah. couldn't think of that word, Jennifer. Thank you. Um, somebody that's passed away. You said right. Would you throw Elvis in there? No, I'm not an Elvis fan. No. Mm. Hmm. Not that I don't not like him. Just it's just not it's not my biggest. Um, what about I Tupac was, or Biggie? I was I was yeah. <laughs> I would I would I I would definitely choose Tupac first. There we go. Oh, did you did you give her that answer, Brett? No, no <laughs> it would be it would totally it would totally be him first between him and Biggie, and I love Biggie Smalls too. But I I don't I um yeah. It would definitely, it would definitely be Tupac. There's, there's so many, there's so many, that, you know, that I grew up with, you know, like Jimi Hendrix and Jim Morrison, um, you know, Robert Plant's still alive. I would totally love to have him. Um, even Roger Daltrey. And that's all the stuff I grew up with. Yeah. We mentioned, uh, Freddie Ian Mercury. Anderson. Ian yeah. Anderson good stuff um, you know what i was watching the other day which is always on was with uh la bamba we talk about like <laughs> no I'm, not, I'm being serious no, no, richie, richie, Valens. Valens. richie Valens, buddy holly the big bopper yeah. yeah do a little la bamba yeah they died young yeah my, my brother la bamba. brian is a big yanni fan because he watched the breakup <laughs> no <laughs> hey well, no judgment here it's a pleasure to meet you <laughs> Nice meeting you. So, so JP, why don't you do the do the intro, and then uh, I'm yeah. gonna go on go on listen mode. Okay. Well, this here is Nancy Howe. Uh, I'm gonna read. I know, did not know I was going to do the intro, so I'm gonna read what I wrote earlier. <laughs> um, <laughs> Nancy was born and raised in Boston. Actually, she moved to Tucson, Arizona, in 1989 with her two daughters. She worked in the fitness industry and with the local parks and recreation children's programs and now owns her own thriving business focusing on helping others get healthy through a use of a technique called Bowen work. Nancy's passion for fitness, nutrition, and assisting with cultivating a mentally and physically healthy lifestyle is what drives her to help others. Separately, nonprofit work has always been a big passion for Nancy. She worked for years with the nonprofit 
called Homicide Survivors and has also recently become involved in launching a new nonprofit called the Ultimate Youth Community Center, which is focused on help us, helping the youth build self-esteem, self-awareness, and grow the skills necessary to thrive in this world. In her free time, Nancy can be found spending ample time with her six beautiful grandchildren. And that's Nancy in a nutshell. That's a great what intro. did I miss? Um, the only thing that I'm still doing that I'm actually just restarting again is, um, and you'll see on my thing, it says Drinks with Destiny. So AKA my other name is Destiny Moon and I do a YouTube um, program and it focuses, it's another community program, but basically I interview people in the community that, you know, contribute in, in healthy ways to, it's, it's all different types of things. I, I've inter, interviewed um, the LGBTQ community for the MOCA School of Drag. I've interviewed, interviewed for the Tucson Libertine League, which is a burlesque show, a burlesque team. They don't like to use the word troop. Uh, and then a few different things. So, and right now we are starting on October 3rd is our first interview and it's going to be called Destiny Unchained. So basically that you, yeah. So that's the only other thing that I'm doing right now. Cause I don't, I don't have, think enough. You have enough. Yeah. I was going to say, I don't think you have enough going on. And, you know, I like to keep, I like to stay busy, <laughs> <laughs> but I am going on vacation tomorrow. So that's, that's good. Yay. Anywhere fun. To Texas, right? Going to Austin. Austin, Texas. That's a pretty good town. It's a pretty good town. My cousin lives there, so I'm really going to visit her. Our city, sorry. Yeah. yeah. What, what's the plans? What's on the agenda? They're really. I'm just. I just want to hang out with her. That's all I care about. So I don't know what we're going to do. I know I'm going to eat barbecue. Mm-hmm. I know that. Um, but other than that, I'm going to hang out by the pool and drink wine, drink tequila, hang out, enjoy our company. Good stuff. That's- yeah, it's a pretty great weekend. It's a pretty great weekend. I just need the relaxation time. For sure. So Nancy and I actually know each other. Nancy was responsible for hiring me um, into the hospitality family. Gosh, what, 22 years ago? 1999? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so that's how we met. We've, we've known each other that long, and I've been thrilled to see her go from corporate lifestyle to having her own business to running these nonprofits. And um, I know that there's a lot of people out there right now who are maybe looking for, you know, alternative wellness options. And I think what she does is very unique. I had never heard about it until she was studying it. Um, So maybe Nancy, tell us a little bit right now about bone work and what it is and how it works on the body. I could talk about that forever. So it's called Bone Work, B-O-W-E-N-W-O-R-K. It originated in Australia. A gentleman named Tom Bowen actually created the work. It was in a very intuitive practice for him. And he actually worked on people for free. And he worked on um, less physically able people. He worked on uh, people with chronic illness. I mean, he would have like 13 tables set up in one big you know, warehouse type place. And he would just work on person to person. And he had apprentices that worked under him that ultimately a couple, uh, Ozzy and Elaine Wrench brought that to the world. So they teach all over the world now. And it's a very gentle stretch rolling release on soft muscle tissue and connective tissue, 
works through the fascia into central nervous system, and it stimulates the body's own innate capacity to heal. So really, I send a signal into the body, and the body actually does all the work because our bodies have this amazing way of recovering. And we see these miracle things happen to people all the time. And it's, it's amazing to be able to watch the changes in people. And 20 years later, I've been doing this for 20 years. There is, I still see things that I've never seen before. I still get challenged all the time and having to do research on what these different illnesses are. I've recently uh, had to work on a long hauler, a 17 year old long hauler. And it's been pretty challenging, but also very rewarding at the same time. And what so is I, a long hauler for those that don't know? It, okay. So the, a long hauler is someone who got COVID and never got better and sometimes got worse. And there's, there's a wide variety of things that can happen to people. And I won't get into her whole, her whole thing. But people come in, when people come in to see me, well, first, let me tell you how, how I ended up doing this. So I had a, I was injured and I had emergency surgery back in 1997 on my lower back. And after that surgery, they said, you know, within two years, you're going to need to have a spinal fusion. And I was young. I was only, I was 36 or 37 when I think it was 30, yeah, 30, 36 when I had the surgery. And then when I was 38, they said I, I couldn't, I couldn't tell. Actually, it was, it was playing softball. So Jennifer can tell you that we were playing, we were on a softball league and I went to the batting cages and I hit balls for like two hours getting ready for a tournament. And I, the next day I couldn't stand up. And from there it lasted like a year of, it just got worse and worse. I couldn't tie my shoes. I couldn't exercise. I couldn't do yoga. I lost a lot of weight. I couldn't sleep. I was in pain all the time. And I ended up finding this woman who, who was a bone work instructor. And she, she said that she thought she could help me. And I went in to see her and I thought this lady is a total quack. I had had so much body work. I was getting ready to go in and have a spinal fusion. And I, I went to see her and she did these really gentle little moves on me. And then she kind of leave me alone. And then she'd come back in and she said, you know, I think you're done. I don't think we can really do anymore. I didn't even talk to her. Um, I just, I was just like, I'm going to try anything at this point. And I, I, I cried all the way home. And I didn't realize that when I was crying on the way home was one of my responses, but I went home, I slept I was hungry. I ate, I got up the next morning and it was the first morning in a couple of years that I'd woken up and was not in excruciating pain in one session. And so I continued to see her till I was completely better. I canceled my surgery, never had it done and it completely changed my life. And then I decided to do the work and give it to other people. And amazingly enough, one of my first clients had the same exact issue that I did and was able to avoid surgery. And I've had, you know, many since then, but I tell people all the time, it's not, it's not me. It's the, it's the work that I'm due that I do. It's the work that I learned and I'm just able to offer it to people and their bodies do the work at themselves. It's bone work. It's not, it's yeah. So that's it. you said, when you said one of the reactions was like the crime, was that like, 
was that's your that was your reaction your body's reaction that was to my it first one and i i i it was for a couple of reasons so this is saying it's what happens in life writes a story in your flesh and so when we're suffering from chronic pain it's not always because of an injury my body was already compromised in ways that i didn't even realize when i was injured um, and I was, I was picked up and thrown across the room into a pool table. And wow. I jumped up from there, from that room. I was, a, I was a bystander in a fight and got picked up and thrown across the room, hit the pool table, hit the ground, got up and walked away. I, the next morning I was on the phone and I lost feeling in my, my left foot. And that was because the disc ruptured in my back at that point. And so I had surgery the next morning. And I had a terrible recovery, but the, the, the crying part of it. So there was, a, there was an actual physical injury, but I had already had back issues before that issue, before that had even happened. I had already had, you know, I've always done very physical labor. You know, I've worked in the hospitality industry. Um, I, I worked on a job shoveling horse, horse crap on a farm in Linfield, in Linfield when I was 17. Um, I pulled lobster traps was my first job, you know, out of Winthrop. And so I had a lot of that stuff, but there's also other things that kind of show up. And when you, when people have that response where their response is emotional, I know that there's more to it than just the actual injury that they suffered. Their body is compromised in other ways. And so that can be a very, and, and I tell people when they come in, when we sit and talk, you know, I, they, they are allowed to speak freely. The first session that they come in, I do a complete health history. They sit with me for an hour. They tell me all of their surgeries and injuries and accidents and things that they've had. Uh, if they, if some people will just openly start talking about trauma that they've had, some people don't say anything and they don't say it. Then they come in for the next session. And they're like, you know, this is what happened. And they start to talk about those things that have happened. And so it's, it's amazing when you can kind of track back, like, okay, well, when did this start? When did that start? And sometimes it's from an injury. Sometimes it's not. And especially with chronic illness, you can see a lot of, you know, the ways that people can recover and sometimes just not recover, you know? So it's pretty fascinating when I tell people that they're interesting and their stuff is fascinating to me. Like, I'm just interesting. I'm like, I don't, I don't even know. I don't. I just, I'm, I'm, I just do everything that I possibly can to research what I can do to help them. So is this a better option than surgery? Um, it, well, it depends. It doesn't mean that you don't have to have surgery. It means that this is something that you can try to try to avoid surgery. So there's, I've, I've never, I never had that spinal fusion. I was bone on bone. And I had like moving x-rays, I had MRIs, I had a ruptured disc, I had already had surgery, I couldn't tie my shoes. Um, I now, I, I box, I've been boxing for four years, I run, I do HIIT workouts, I don't, I don't, I don't have that anymore. And it never came back. And I, and even, even when, when it went away, even when I realized that I was better, I never, I always thought at some point that this isn't going to continue to work, that it's not going to last, that it's not going to, um, but I started to really put my health first at that point. Like, I can't, like, I can't do this anymore. I have to, I have to really start taking care of myself. I have to start exercising again. I have to, you know, and I haven't, I haven't done that consistently throughout the years. I've had ebbs and flows like most people, 
I even had an accident, a pretty, pretty traumatic uh, quad roll of a wreck and still didn't injure my back, which you was know, amazing. I mean, which was amazing. You've got so many, like, do you just shake your head sometimes at all the, the different things that have like come across? I mean, like the, mentally, like that's got to take a toll, like between some of the, you know, the accident, the, the quad, the, you know, getting thrown against the wall, like those are things that hit you mentally. So with the, the Bowen therapy, you, you know, I don't know if I'm jumping here, but like you talk a, a little bit about like the, the fitness part about it and building self-esteem and self-awareness and things of that mm-hmm. nature. Do you, do you feel like the, that part of it really improves your self-confidence? I do. I do because it's not, well, it, I can say it does for some people. Maybe it doesn't for everybody. I can only tell, I can only tell you what my experience is. And for me, for my, my personal self, it's important to me, especially at my age to be strong. And it was always important to me to be strong. I always wanted to be strong. I always want, I, when I was a kid, I always wanted to be stronger than my brothers. I had two older brothers and I always wanted to be stronger than them. And it, that continued throughout my life. I was always very interested in, in, in that. It was important for me to have all my physical capabilities to protect. I had to protect and take care of myself. Right. And that physical strength was a big part of it. And if, if I was sick, I, I couldn't do that. So being sick was always like, okay, how am I going to get better? That's the first thing, you know, know, I don't want to be sick. And so now at my age that I'm at now, I have, I have six grandkids. Um, I have two daughters, two of my own daughters, and I have two stepdaughters and I want to watch them continue to have, have children. I want to see all of my grandkids graduate from high school. I want to see them fall in love. I want to, you know, I want to see if they decide if they're going to have children, or if they're going to travel the world. I want to be present for all of that. You know, my mom's 84 and she now has seven great grandchildren. And I just, you know, that's what I want, but I want to be healthier at 84 than my, when I'm 84. If I make it that far, then my mom is now, I want to do all of those things um, and I look forward to doing all of those things. And I find a lot of joy in all of those things and being a healthy person and being able to interact and get down on the floor at 60 years old and crawl with my two and a half year old granddaughter. And I get to, you know, go out and play baseball with my 15 year old. It doesn't get better than that. Yeah. So that in a, that in itself, I think, you know, when you, when you feel good, everything feels good. You know, it's funny. My brother always wanted to be as strong as me too, Nancy. It just doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> I do. Still do. Brett, I know you do F45, right? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Nancy, I, I think I saw, did you do an F45 class like last week or the week before? I did. I did. Still haven't done it. So, so I do a lot of HIIT workouts at home, you know, through, um, I, once I, once I quit the gym, I, I really just, uh, you know, I started building up my weights and all that stuff and started doing things here. And I, I, Jennifer knows I do the, I have a, um, Peloton app and I went to the F45 class and I thought it was wonderful and it was really fun. The instructors were great. Um, and it wasn't as hard as I thought it was going to be. Yeah. I felt like I really wanted to be more, a little bit more challenged, but honestly, that was the only class that I took. But did you, did you like 
push yourself through like there? I mean, Magic probably did, but like some of the, what class did you go to? Because like, there's an opportunity with the weights you can go heavier. I don't even know. And that's the thing. Like in some of them I did go, I like, I would go to do it. And I, and I think that that had a lot to do with that. I think because it was my first class, I was kind of just discovering what hmm. was happening in the class. Uh, and the problem for me in getting it, the problem for me in continuing to go, cause I do did want to continue to go because I loved the energy in the room and everybody that was in there. And I thought, okay, you're right. I think, I think I likely could have challenged myself a little bit more. And I tend to, at the beginning, as I'm trying to figure stuff out, not, you know, just try to figure out the weights and stuff like that. Uh, it, my challenge is, is actually it's so easy for me to get up in my pajamas and work out in my living room yeah i know i know get up and drive somewhere and i've gotten really complacent when it comes to that and then when i'm in my living room and i challenge myself and i can't i can't achieve what i'm trying to challenge i'm all by myself and I'm still in my pajama bottoms and a sport bra and nothing else is happening and nobody's nobody else is there. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, you know, like I did it for years. I, I like I was going to the gym and then I, I stopped and I just like all my apartment buildings since I've, you know, for the last seven, eight years have had like a gym inside of it. Right. And I was like at some point, like even Barbara was going, uh, my girlfriend was going to like, um, you know, a class at morning doing stuff. And I was like, I got to get back out there and start being sociable because I felt like there was a social piece that I wasn't getting myself out and like being around people. I didn't really want to do it. But when I get into this class, I think the part that you find like a, there's some class like tonight I came out of it. I felt like my legs were jello, but I do find myself mentally sometimes saying, okay, like I really don't want to be here at five o'clock in the morning. And then like, you're kind of half-assing it through the, the exercises and I know at the end of the day, I, I could have probably pushed myself, you know, as that, as that clock comes down from 35 to, you know, two, three seconds, you, you drop the weight to two or three seconds, you know, yeah. in that mental part. Yeah. You feel so much better after getting up and doing it. Right. Like it sucks when you're trying to talk yourself out of it. And then afterwards, like you're for me, cause I work out in the morning too, for me, but your whole day is yeah. more energy. Like you Not, just feel so much better. Absolutely. And then when you're done at work, you go home and yeah. you're not thinking about that anymore. I can sit and I can make this drink and I can have some dinner and I can yeah. <laughs> go to my, my kid's house and play with my grandkids. And I don't, I don't have that, that happening anymore. Yeah. And, and, you know, when you talk about the difference, you know, sometimes you challenge yourself, sometimes you don't. My thought process on that is really some days I'm ready to challenge myself and other days I'm tired and I don't feel like doing it, but I do it anyway. And maybe I don't challenge myself, but I can still tell myself I did it. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. one more thing on that. So something, you know, when they have like, you took one class, but you usually have someone next to you. Sometimes you could have two people with you. It can have another person with you. And there's been a couple of times. It's been one of those days where like, I'm like, oh man, I'm kind of half-assing it through it. Then, so I get some like person in there just going like 110 percent i'm like mother effort like I gotta, like, <laughs> dude really like i gotta go you know yeah that's the picking. truth you know I, I i i used to feel that way and now i just i don't even i realize that i don't i don't i'm just gonna go in there and do my own thing right and it doesn't even really matter what anybody else is doing and there's certain things that so there's certain parts of my body that are better at lifting can lift heavier weights than others. 
and I don't know what it is like, and I don't know if I need to try to do something else. And actually I'm going to, I'm going to talk and I'm going to call her Jen P because that's what I call her. I don't call her Jennifer. She is Jen P. And if you want to hear that story about why she's Jen P, I will tell you. Um, but it, there's, I, I need to challenge myself. Like my legs, I, I run. So I don't, I don't run like, like Jen P does, but I, I do my own running. That's in my capabilities, but I struggle with, with the weights and my legs. Like I struggle with like, like squats and deadlifts and, you know, goblet squats and things like that. I can do them, you know, no weighted with body weight seems more comfortable to me, but I struggle with the weight there. I don't struggle with my upper body weight. Well, I, I think guess, part I of that the guns. Too, she's yeah, she's got massive. Guns. <laughs> um, I think part of that too, though, is good for the mental piece, because even if you're not as strong in one part of your body, you're still getting through it. And that tells your brain and thus your body that I can do hard shit. Yeah, I can do it. I might not be great at it, but I did it. You, you know, I also do. I can, I can do hot shit all the time. Yeah. 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 <laughs> there's, Cause I also do the Peloton um, app and one of the instructors always says forward is a pace. It doesn't matter how fast you're going, what you're doing. You're not sitting on your couch. You're doing something that's more than most people frankly are doing. Yeah. So just as long as you move forward, you're productive. Right. That's very true. That's very true. Um, so I'm going to segue into something with that. First of all, I'm going to tell you the Gen P story. Mm -hmm. Gen P very boring. I, it's very boring, but Gen P and I used to work in an all women's gym. Mm. And there were so many Jennifers that they all had to have their own individual name. And even though we only worked, we worked there less than a year, right? Mm -hmm. You still maintained that name and that name transferred into our next place that we worked and everybody that we worked with at the Hilton at the country club called her Gen P, even though they did not work at that other gym with us. So, it just Oh yeah. Saved. My godson calls me aunt Gen P. Uh, yeah. Nancy's grandkids call me aunt Gen P. It's, just, it's, <laughs> fine. it's fine. Did the Gen P work hard in the gym? Oh yeah. Always. She works hard all the time, all the time. And it, I can tell you, I, I, I loved where, where we worked. We had such a group of people that we worked with that worked so well together. We worked hard together. We played hard together. We, we did, it was just, it was amazing. And, you know, of course we all dispersed, you know, and went into different places, but then there was, there was a few of us like, like Jen P and her partner and, you know, myself, and then a couple of other people that we still stay in touch with. And it was just an amazing group of people. And I can tell you like some of the, some of them, if we bumped into them now, it would, it would be like, we talked to them yesterday. I mean, there was never any, yeah, it was all just people just went in different directions. Um, but now I'll segue into, if it's okay, into the Alta Youth Community Center. Absolutely. No, I have one question, though, before you go into that, because I want to ask, when it comes to, because when, when you, you always hear pain, and pain always comes with medication, right? Yeah. Pills. So does this, what you, what you guys do on, does it actually help where people are not going into the medication, and that's the first thing that they grab is an Oxycontin, Percocet, stuff that bites pain? Because that's a big problem. It, it's a very big problem. And 
we could have a whole nother segment just on that. And there's, there's, there's so much, and that's a very sensitive subject for me personally, for people in my family. But I can tell you after I had my first surgery, uh, I was on a lot of medication. And at the time before I had my surgery, I had lost a lot of weight. And I, I think I probably weighed maybe like a hundred, maybe not even 105 pounds. And they operated on me and I was otherwise, you know, I had worked out all the time. I was very strong. I was training to be on the fire department. I was tiny, but I was, I was strong. And, but my body could not handle the amounts of medication that they thought was appropriate for me to take. And so after the afterwards, it was probably about, it, it should have taken maybe about six to eight weeks for me to get better. And by week number 10, I was like, I'm not better. I just want more medication. I'm still in pain. Mm. I was still taking medication. And what they were giving me was uh, Vicodin and Valium. Hmm. And so back in the day, they called Valium. They actually wrote a book when it first came out and they called it, they called it um, Prince Valium because it would, it was called the housewife drug because it was given to women to keep them calm as a sedative, right? Which it ended up doing just the opposite. So there was a lot of, I, at one point I got up in the morning and I was like, I don't want to take this medication anymore. And by mid afternoon, I was dry heaving. I was shaking. I was crying. I was a total wreck and didn't even, I called my doctor. I was like, what's wrong with me? And they're like, you're going through a throttle. My doctor was so freaked out over what happened that he literally wrote the prescription, put me on a program. I said, do I need to go in someplace? Like I was a total. And that's how quickly my body was addicted in less than 12 weeks, completely dependent on this medication. So what happens is, is you start taking this pain medication and when you try to not take it anymore, if you don't, if you don't do it appropriately and try to wean yourself off of it, the pain receptors in your body respond to the lack of medication. Is there really a problem? No, I wasn't really having a, pro a physical problem. It was actually the addiction to the drug that was causing my pain receptors to start to fire. So I had to go through this whole process. So for me, because it had only been, you know, maybe like 10, 10, 12 weeks that it happened that I was able to pull myself out of that in two weeks. If somebody has been doing this for 10 years or two years or whatever, it's not going to be that simple. You're likely going to have to get admitted. It's likely going to be harder to not take it later. Um, and so I don't take those things anymore. Um, but I do have people that come in that have either just started on medication or they are already heavily addicted to medication. And so there's two choices that we, we talk about it and it is not my job to tell them how they should move forward with those medications. It's only my job, my, my, my place, how I am supposed to show up is to decide how, what I do is going to work into what they're doing. What is it that they want? Some people come in and say, I don't want to stop taking the medication. I want something to supplement because I can't get any more medication. And then there's other people that say, I just started this medication. 
I don't like it. I don't want to take it anymore. I don't want to be in pain. And they want to get off the medication. And sometimes that works. Sometimes that works for people. And sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes they stay on a low dose of medication, a super low dose. They don't end up with a problem. They still get their, they still get their bone work. Some people stop taking it altogether. They get better. Their lives change. They do maintenance work. Um, with me, with other people, I have multi multitude of other practitioners that I send them to. Uh, it really just depends on the person. Some people have been on medication for so many years, and a lot of people are elderly. And that that is the really sensitive part for me is that in our it's part of ageism where medication is given to older people to and these are just my opinions, um, just shut them up. They don't try to do anything to fix them without doing multitudes of experimental surgeries or that where they come in and they tell me they've had a surgery and I'm thinking, I'm, I'm not a doctor. That is highly inappropriate thing to do. And they don't, these people don't have somebody that advocates for them. There's no, they don't have an advocate. They don't have another person in their life that's going to do that for them. And, and I, I advocate for, I advocated for my dad until he passed away and I advocate for my mom now. And it's, you know, it, people don't have that. And I see a lot of that. I see a lot of people that, you know, seventies, eighties, even in their nineties that come in and see me as a supplement to those types of things, or they've had the multitude of surgeries. So that was my short story long. <laughs> well, I think, I think well, it's important. It is, it is because important. I think if you, if you don't have somebody that you are close with in the medical community, you don't know what you don't know. You just know that you're prescribed these drugs and I feel better and I'm out and now I feel bad again. Like you don't know that there might be other avenues. And generally, my opinion, the medical community is not sharing that with you. Or maybe they don't know. Like, I don't know how many doctors probably know that Bowen work is a thing. Right. Um, or that they could refer them to somewhere else to potentially help them in a non-drug situation. Listen, there are necessities for some drugs, I think. Absolutely. Um, some things are needed, but there are also some that, that could be supplemented with other avenues, I think. Yeah. And I've had, I've had, I've had a surgery since my initial surgery and I've had to take that medication, but I am super hyper aware and conscientious. Like I need this right now for the pain. And as soon as I don't need it, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to start to taper off as quickly as I possibly can, because I don't want that to happen to my body. Um, I don't like the way it makes me feel. Yeah. So I, you know, you take it to make the pain go away. And I think what happens is there is this trust that comes, especially with older people that the doctor says here, just take this medication they don't understand that this is a highly addictive drug, you know, you know, oxys and, you know, uh, Percocets and things like that. That is the prescribed heroin. Yeah. And it's, it's, and it's true. And I, and, and having had a family member who um, almost died twice, uh, that's how it started. It started with pain medication, ultimately, ended up heroin and thankfully is a completely different, amazing, awesome mom, you know, 
my, it's my niece who has, you know, she has a baby and a home and a job and she's been sober for nine years, but that's how it started. And almost every story that you hear starts off with those prescription drugs. And I see it all the time in my work. And it really, there, there are people that they absolutely don't want to have anything to do with not being on the drugs. So I do not, I do, don't discuss that with them. They, they'll come in and they'll say, I want to continue to take this medication. And if I don't help them within a couple of sessions, they just don't come back. And that's really up to them. It's a, it's really, it's a, it's a personal, personal thing for them. And you can only do the best you can, but I have the, the joy that I have and in, in when those people do turn into a different direction and you can watch their lives completely change through these types of body work, not just my body work, but other people's body works. Cause I work in a place where there's, there's a lot of other people that do different types of body works and, you know, uh, different types of massage and lymphatic massage and Reiki and all kinds of other things. Um, it can really be a life-changing experience. It can, it, and it was for me. That's all I can say is that was my experience. That's what it was for me. Nancy, for, I, I know, let's jump into the ultimate youth community center, but it's like 20 seconds, like how would, like for someone that's interested in Bowen work, where would you tell them to go to kind of learn a little bit more about it? So you can, you can, you can Google Bowen work, you know, mm-hmm. and, and you can just Google, like if you Google Bowen work Tucson, I'm, I'm pretty much the first name that pops up, but there's other practitioners that work here. Okay. There is also, um, there's the American Bowen Academy. So if you go on to the American Bowen Academy, if you just Google American Bowen Academy, and I can't tell you the, the direct, cause I don't work with them anymore. I'm in, I went into a different direction, but that's where you can find a Bowen worker anywhere in the world. Gotcha. Through the American Bowen Academy, because there was a link that goes to the international. So it started off being called Bowtech, and we in, in the United States couldn't call it Bowtech because Bowtech is actually a bow and arrow company here. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. So just the American Bowen Academy, you can find it anywhere. So talk to and us so about sure the other provider. Oh, okay. Sorry. Right. So I was saying there's, I'm sure that there's providers in the greater Boston area that you probably know, right? Not to name them here, but there's certainly people in that area. So I don't know who's in Boston anymore. My, um, my friend, Mickey, she worked, she worked in Cambridge. She had a place in Cambridge, but she lives in upstate New York now. Uh, and I don't know who is in Boston now, but I, I'm pretty sure that there's people there in the vicinity. There are some states still that bone work is considered fairly new here because maybe it's been, you know, I've been doing this for 20 years. So maybe it's been here for 50 in the States. That's considered a very, very new type of work. Mm-hmm. It's it's uh, so it's not everywhere. But Would insurance cover that? No. It's unfortunate, but it doesn't. The only thing that we can take is like a health savings account or, you know, things like that. So, yeah, it's it's unfortunate because insurance companies do not. They will work with some massage practices, but not with others. They work with chiropractors. But but truth be told, to be a uh, massage therapist or any kind of a holistic body worker, it's really challenging even when you do take insurance because they don't pay you. Mm-hmm. Like what, what are, what, what we charge and what the insurance company will pay you is not the same. 
didn't chiropractors go through the same thing years ago with they, the whole insurance? Do. And well, and you know what happens is if if you have to if if what the if people work strictly with insurance, the insurance company pays you less. And you have, you know, you you have overhead, you have school, you have, you know, continuing education, you have travel, you have all these things, these, these overhead expenses that come with owning your own business and being a body worker, being a chiropractor. So you have to fit in more people in less time when you take insurance because you have to make a certain amount of money to survive and to make a living at it. So if you take insurance, the quality of care becomes less with your patients and your clients because you have to fit more people. So now you're starting to be like the doctors that rush you through. You know, when you go into the doctor's appointment and the the nurse practitioner comes in, you see the doctor for like 10 seconds and then you feel like you're not being heard or whatever. I don't want that. I want, I want people to come in. I, I, I literally have the capability of being able to block off it, you know, which would typically be an hour. I block off an hour and a half for every person that comes into my office in case their time runs over and there's something that they need to discuss with me. Right. Because I want to make sure that their care is the best that they can possibly receive. And I want them to be heard because you know what, when I walk into my doctor's office, when I walk in to see a practitioner, I want them to hear what I'm saying, because I want to be an individual People that walk in, they want to be an individual. They want to be treated. They don't want to be an assembly line. And that's why even when you're looking for physical therapy, you want to find a physical therapist that specializes in what your need is. Yeah. Right. I think that goes for, it's for anything for health wise from dentist, um, you know, dental to eyes and everything else. Like as you get, you more and more, you think about it, you're like, you, you like you wanted to do it right like you're saying Nancy like you want someone's gonna actually you know like uh, I remember being down in Miami and some of the, the dentists down there I feel like they were just choosing you for money you know and there was no like care about like what they were doing they were just saying oh yeah yeah you need a um, you know a whole new tooth you know and like they're putting a cap on it and you're spending thousands of dollars for that right. you know um, so that's interesting but let's let's jump into the um, we're gonna change gears and we go into what um, the Ultimate Youth Community Center. So talk to us a little bit about this and how this kind of came about. So I was, I, I, I was, I've been boxing for about four years and I have, I really started to get, get into it and started like pers- doing personal training with two different trainers at the gym that I was going to. Their, their names are Junior and Wes. And they are just, <sighs> they're two of the most amazing men I've ever met in my entire life. They're, they're, they're single parents. They, they work really hard. It is completely their entire life is their work and what they do and what they, and they work with kids actually in this gym. So I started doing personal training with them and mostly with, mostly with junior and then junior left during COVID when um, the gyms closed down, he decided that he was going to open up his own business. Uh, uh, He's the ultimate trainer and he has like YouTube pages and he is big on Instagram and all that. So he's the ultimate trainer. And when he started working, I wanted to be, I wanted to be supportive of his business as my trainer. So I started training with him outside. So we would go meet out in a park somewhere and train. And then I started when the gym opened back up, I went back and I started training with Wes. 
And Wes started talking about how he and Junior, who were really tight, he and Junior really wanted to open up a gym for kids, helping them to, um, you know, finding, finding healthy pathways for them, like for our at-risk youth here in Tucson, trying to find healthy pathways to, to, you know, process, like we have a lot of homeless youth here, unfortunately. Um, but they wanted to provide an, an inclusive space for the community that we have here, not just homeless youth, but our LGBTQ community, for our, our, our kids of color, for our South Tucson community. We want to provide an outlet for them where it also where they can learn not just an outlet to process, you know, anger, frustration, and life in general through this and discipline through this but also morph this into, we start teaching classes where they learn how to, what they have to do in a rental application, how they apply for a job, how do they write a resume, how do they change a tire, how do they balance a checkbook, how they do, you know, really teach them these life skills to be able to move forward and and into adulthood, Mm -hmm. right? So he started talking about this and I'm like, that's really interesting. You know, I used to work for a non nonprofit here in Tucson. I volunteered for them for 16 years. I did their fundraising for them in the end um, before I stopped working for them. And I called him the next morning and I said, Hey, I'd like to, I'd like to try to help, you know, with this beginning part or try to get it, get it started. And he said, Oh my gosh, we were just talking about how we were going to call you to see if you would help us. And then we just did it. We started calling people and we're officially a 5013C. We don't have our tax exemption yet because the IRS is super slow with stuff right now, but we are able to like take donations. We're looking for a space to get started. We have a lot of people that are on board. And if you have, so it's ultimateyouthtucson.org. Ultimateyouthtucson.org. And I'll send, I'll send all that information to you. I'll just reply to the, to the email. Um, so right now the, the heart, the challenging part for us is the space because of the real estate market. So we are actually in the midst of a plan that I can't really tell you about right now because I don't really know if it's going to come to fruition. So I don't want to get into it, but, um, I think we might actually officially have a space where we can start actually opening up the gym and doing fundraisers and raising money and actually being able to get kids to be able to sign up and start showing up and starting to train with some of our trainers. And I, I don't want to get all emotional about it, (laughs) but uh, we've been going through, it's, it's such a long process. And, you know, honestly, the thing with a nonprofit is you're not really complete until it's been like five years. And so it starts off really slow. The process is really, really slow. And if we make it, if you make it two years, you have a really good chance of making it to five. Once you make it for five, you're established and you're, you're there, you're there. It can, it can expand into different cities and states and it can move and it can become national and you can do all those things. And the, those are the big things. And we're trying not to get, we're trying to stay in the space where, okay, this is the step we need to take now. Uh, but 
we see it, we saw it in the gym that we worked in. And unfortunately the gym that they worked in, and I won't say what it was, but they, when they found out that we were starting a nonprofit, they actually felt it was competition. And there really was an opportunity there for them to have provided space for us otherwise. And that's not what happened because, and their, their gym has a lot of kids that they have a whole, whole, um, excuse me, kids program. And they actually had a group home that came in that tried to get, like, was like, Hey, you know, we have this amount of money. We want to be able to bring these kids in. And this is where all of this started from. That's why I'm telling you a story. These, this, this guy from the group home came in and said, Hey, I have this amount of money. I want to bring the kids in. I want to try to do this program for them. Can you offer this service to them? And, and, you know, Wes heard all of this and he just, and they were like, oh no, this is how much it costs. And this is what you have to do. And this is how you have to sign the kids. And they literally just let them go. Didn't do anything for them. Didn't offer them, didn't say, you know, yeah, you know, we'll take that. And then we're going to also give you this, which, you know, would have been the kind thing to do to these. Well, that's a shame because those are the types of kids that need Right. An outlet. They need some guidance. They need something. Yes. And, and that's, so that's really unfortunate. Yeah. yeah. That's why Wes and Jr. were like, wait a minute. This is, this is crazy. This, why, why, why don't we have, why don't we have spaces like that for them? And so that's what they want to create for them. And there's a lot of other youth spaces that do different things, but not martial arts, not boxing, um, things like that. But we want to collaborate with a lot of other nonprofits that are here that we're already starting to talk to as well. So we'll see. Yeah, I, I think that's I'll... amazing. I mean, talk about like the under uh, or the underprivileged and the kids that that need it, especially, you know, we don't, Dave and I don't have kids, obviously, but all of our friends that have kids, they have suffered a lot as a, everybody during COVID and it's just getting it back out there and doing the socialization thing. And so to hear that these kids now will have a place to go where they maybe even didn't before, but especially now getting back into the social aspect of things, what an amazing adventure for you to be on and to provide for those kids and group homes and whatever else it grows to. I think the other part too, you absolutely. And, and feeling like you're in a safe space, the all-inclusive part of it is when we're talking about different communities that are not just, it's not just, you know, the LBGTQ community, especially when you're talking about teens and, and, and young, you know, our young teens and stuff there, you, you want them to be able to go into a place where they see role models that are like them. They want to see a role model where like, Oh, she looks like me. They look like me. He looks like me. They want to see that in the world, in this world, how it is today. That's, that's what we want to have. That's the space that we want to have for them, that they are going to walk in and feel that they're safe. They're not just, it's not just diversity, diversity and inclusion and inclusion are two completely different things. You can have diverse amount of people, but do they still feel included? Mm -hmm. And that's really what we're looking at is really finding, making sure that, that they feel included when they walk in the door and they see people that are like them and they feel like they're safe because right now, like you said, like through COVID and people being, being isolated, 
coming back out of isolation can be really scary. Nancy, are you guys utilizing like the, the pronouns as well there? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. There was a big thing that just came out on Wall Street Journal that they were discussing that and how that's being used uh, more in mm-hmm. companies and they're not pushing on people to do it, but people are starting to, you know, use it people more are just email signatures, it. right? Right. Mm-hmm. I, and on paperwork, like on forms that you fill out, yeah. like when you go to the doctor's office. Yeah. yeah. The, I think the core principles, like when you use how to fill out a rental application, how to change a tire, like sometimes those, those key like tool sets are almost more important sometimes than some schooling that you do. And like, you know, that, that's my feelings, you know, I mean, there, there's a couple of people like, um, you know, my, my brother was talking like the, we had Charlie on who was like, you know, essentially flooring guy and his skill set has been flooring, but that's like a key skill set to have. And he's doing very well with it. Yeah. And that's the thing is, you know, you, it doesn't matter what you do, whether you're the CEO of a company or you own the plumbing company, right? It's yeah. what it's what your skills, what you're passionate about. I was so excited when my grandson, my grandson's going to be 15 in a couple of weeks. Yes, Hayden's going to be 15, Gen P. Um, <laughs> how does it make you feel? <laughs> Um, And he was talking about how in it, he just, he just started high school and there are people are donating cars and they're working on cars. And he just got this big, this certificate, you know, for, for what he's doing. And and of course, for me, my dad, my dad was, was a mechanic and he worked with his hands and he ran his own transmission shop. My dad had his own business my entire life. Everything that I ever wanted to do came from what my dad, it's not even stuff that he showed me. It's just who he was. And that's who he was. He just, he made sure that the people that walked into his place, that he was fair and he was honest. And he showed that to us every single day growing up. And I knew someday, like I always worked hard. He always had that work ethic that work ethic was always there. And my mom was always there, you know, beside him through, through all of it. And it was very, it was very big for us growing up to see, to see that. And I, I, I knew I would always work hard, you know, sometimes two or three jobs at at the same time, you know, to make ends meet. But I never could have imagined that I would have been running my own business, that I would be helping with this, you know, youth center and, you know, the other things that I have coming up in my life that we'll talk about some other time. <laughs> it's always something. Well, you know, I always tell people, you know, when I was on the podcast, if you don't have credibility, then you're really, you're, you've lost it. Then you will not have people who will trust you. And you basically, you've lost them. And, and that's what define you for the rest of your life moving forward is having no credibility, not trustworthy and, and, and dishonest. That's very, very true. That's exactly it. And that's how running the business for me isn't about making a ton of money because I don't. I I have everything that I need. But knowing at the end of the day, when I come home at the end of the day, knowing that I showed up as myself and as my best self and provided the best support possible for the people walking in my door at the end of the day, 
my day was perfect. Yeah, I agree. You know, it's not always, always about the money. It's about yeah. helping people out and you're getting that feeling of helping people out. Yeah. And I've had people do it for me. Gen They're hard to find sometimes. They really are. Sometimes yeah. people want it just to make a big buck, quick buck and call it a day. Yep. You're just a number to them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and usually you go on to find out that they're not always all that happy. Money sounds all great, but I hear if you have it all, you don't yeah. have it all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, people aren't always happy. I'd love to understand, but. Yeah, it's, it's the amazing, you know, it's the amazing friendships, you know, it, I think. And this is, I, and I'm, I'm not, this isn't morbid. This is just reality. At 60 years old, you face your own mortality. You're all of a sudden you're like, oh, it's likely more than half of my life is older, over. What am I going to do with the rest of it? And it's actually, it's not a morbid feeling at all. It's actually effing exciting. Like it's like, okay, what am I, what am I going to do now? I can do whatever I want. Right. So I just met my new next door neighbor and we were just discussing how after the holidays are over and we're going to do our first skydiving experience. Like this is something my mom has talked about forever <laughs> and never did. And now she's never going to have the opportunity to do it, do it. And now you know what she wants to do? She wants to watch me do it. <laughs> she wants me to see me do all of those things that she never got to do and all the travels that she never got to do. So when I talk to her about these things, she gets really excited and animated. And Jen P knows my mom. And she's Nana. She's everybody's Nana. Everybody calls her Nana. And yeah, she's just, yeah. And put the GoPro on and then she can really live it with you. Yeah. On your helmet. I actually have... It's a chest strap that you can put your iPhone on okay. or any of your phone. And so doing uh, what's the, the zip line. Mm -hmm. put it, yeah. Put it on and go the zip line. And then they have the GoPro helmets. Zip lining is just, I, I want to go, I want to go to the rainforest and go zip lining. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. And then my cousin that I'm going to visit in Austin, we're going to be talking. She wants to go to, uh, we want to do an African safari together. Uh, that, I wouldn't want to do that. Yeah. I would yeah. really want to do that. So the um, what is it the the World Wildlife Federation Wildlife? Yeah. Okay, yeah, so WWF, yeah. yeah, yeah. So if you're looking for doing something like that, and this is what I've been researching, so there's there's a lot of different ways that you can do it, but that federation actually does programs where you have smaller groups that go and do these in different different countries, um, in uh, in different provinces, and they. They're really small groups and they are very eco-friendly. Mm -hmm. And although it costs a little bit more to do it, it actually goes to the Federation to save wildlife. How does it like compare to some of these others? I mean, safaris can get expensive. That, that's yeah. the, the biggest part of it. I would love to do it. Is so this savings. <laughs> so my cousin and I are saving our money. <laughs> <laughs> because it's it the minimum is twelve thousand dollars a person, oh, but it includes wow. everything. How long is that for? It's like six nights. Gotcha. Yeah. So and and there's different there's different levels that you can go to. You can pay a little bit more, and you can have a more luxury accommodating tent. Have dinner with the lions. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're at the dinner. 
So if you get a chance, if you're ever interested in that stuff, when I was a kid, and this is why I've always been passionate about it, is there was a book called Cry of the Kalahari. And it was this, this, um, and it was this couple that wrote it and they, uh, yeah, you just, I can't even explain it to you. Just look it up. It's called Cry of the Kalahari. And that's where I want to go is Kalahari Desert. Kalahari Desert. Sorry. I might. It came out. My desert came out. So, yeah. (laughs) Nancy, have you seen Serengeti on um, Discovery Channel? Yes. <laughs> it's real. It's so cool. It, everything. Yeah. I just like, I can't even. It's amazing the things that you learn on these shows and the things that, you, you know, yeah. you know, as a kid, you know, I was like all over the place. Right. But when you sat me down with a book. Different completely different the whole the appreciation factor too for like animals i don't think as a kid like i mean you'd see some of these like the 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 big game when they do the you know they shoot them and they put the heads up there and like like at that time like as a kid like you didn't really know better but as got older like there's so much more appreciation i go to a zoo and just you know watch these like the gorillas and just watch them just chill and you know hang out and it's so relaxing so human like yeah (laughs) Yeah, sure. it's really, and it, it's, yeah, it's, I am definitely an animal lover and I would love to be in, and my, my grandkids are animal lovers, which is wonderful as well. And so for them to get to see, that's the other thing is being able to do these things and, and they get to watch they, that example that I get to set Mm-hmm. Um, or their parents get to set where we go out and do these things and we pay attention to conversation, uh, con- conservation, we pay attention to conservation and we contribute to these programs and we keep them aware, you know, we want them to grow up and to be able to do those same things. Yeah, no, absolutely. I like, I put a WCS that I put like a donation every month, but I feel like it's, it's not enough. So if, mm-hmm. I feel like if I ever made it big or, you know, like, that had a good amount of money. I think that's yeah. probably one of the first like places I would go to is um, one of these, you know, conservation efforts that are going out right. there. I mean, even to extent to like the oceans and, you know, the great white sharks and. Well, that's that. what my grandson and I want to do. And, and Jen P you can put on your air muffs if you want, but mm-hmm. Hayden and I want to go. works. <laughs> 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 we totally want to go and swim with the sharks and he's obsessed. Like I, I, I really feel that he'll have when in his future, it's going to have something to do with ocean life. And he, he does catch and release fishing. He and his dad, you know, fish oh, all sad. the time and they are, yeah, he's, that's, that's their, their thing. That's awesome. yeah. yeah. That's cool. Yeah. The, the, um, the pre like, you don't realize what they're like the animal not to stay on this thing but like sometimes like the animals the how they get treated and mm-hmm. you know like they can't take care of themselves you know like i look at our own animals that like the pets that we've had and i'm like as a kid like you're just so consumed with yourself sometimes and i like look back at it now i'm like jesus christ what a like threat like you're an idiot you know what i mean like you got an animal there and i, I felt like i should do a better job you know with taking care of animals so um so what's on um what's big anything other than safari what's next and what's this youtube thing you're doing so that i I started a few years ago so originally it started with 
this really controversial thing that happened here in Tucson. Um, there was a there was a, there was a murder that happened, and I used to work for homicide survivors, so those types of things I you know I become part of. But this was very personal. It was a it was a firefighter that that you know was divorced from his wife, and this whole big controversy came up, and these people were posting stuff, and it got a little crazy. And so a friend of mine. Um, her and I had talked about, you know, what was happening and how this was getting out of control. The conversation was getting out of control. So we decided to start, we did, did this YouTube interview thing and all that stuff with, um, with my friend, Aaron, who was going to be my first, my re-interview. So it started up with that, with this, con we wanted to talk about these controversial subjects. And then it morphed into... Me sitting and watching Drunk History, <laughs> never <laughs> seen Drunk History, right? Have you seen yeah. the show? Yeah. So I'm watching Drunk History and, you know, my, my media name was Destiny Moon. And I'm like, and of course I'm drinking, thinking it could be called Drinks with Destiny. And I could, we could make a drink. And we, I went into this whole thing and I called my friend James Olivia and they said, Oh my God, this is amazing. This is what you need to do. So I call my friend, Neil, who's my videographer. And I'm saying, oh, we need to do this thing, drinks with destiny. And he and I drink together. So the next thing you knew it, I was, what, what we do is it, the, the person who I'm interviewing, we, he or she, or they make their favorite drink and we sit over drinks and we have a conversation about what they do. Nice. And it is a total blast. It's people in the community. Like I said, it's, it's like the, one of them ones that we did was with MOCA, which is the Museum of Contemporary Art. They run the School of Drag. And it's for the School of Drag, which is really cool. So you have, you know, senior queer people and you have youth queer people and they get together and they put a show together. So you kind of bring these different, you know, these different aspects of, you know, how they grew up and how they're growing up and how we can learn from each other on how to show up in the world. And they put together these shows and it's not just a drag show, they're performances. There's like these, it's not just drag at all. There are some drag things that come into it. And so they, they were one of the interviews. And then, um, I've had some recent events in my life that have, that were very, very challenging. And I have recently felt very unchained and free. And I started talking to people about things that they became free from how they became unchanged in their lives and how it changed their lives for the better and how they were able to open up their lives and move forward in a way that was healthy and sustainable for them and their families. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it's not just about having a healthy and sustainable life for myself, but I have a very big, very close family. And literally I am my family. There's, there's a point where you have, um, you know, there's that, 
anyway, I'm the mom, I'm everybody's mom and my mom's everybody's Nana. And I started talking to people about that. And then I thought, oh, we could do a whole drinks with destiny series called destiny unchanged. And the first interview that I'm going to do is actually going to be with a gentleman named Aaron, who's a very good friend of mine where I can literally walk to his house from my new place. And he was my first interview on drinks with destiny, which was amazing. So I'm excited about it. And he left his job that had left him in a world of emotional pain, uh, PTSD, and ended up opening up his own business and what he's doing now with him and his family. So he and his wife are both entrepreneurs, run their own businesses out of their home. And I am up at their, I'm at their house once a week with my glass of Pendleton, just one. <laughs> and I come home and we just kind of goes back to what we were saying earlier about role models, right? It's always good to be able to connect with somebody who's gone through it or is going through it that you can relate to and say, Hey, you know what? They came out. Okay. On the other side. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I've had people like, you know, when you talk about going through, you know, things like that, you know, when, when there's those life challenges that come up that you get blindsided by, and then, you know, we've all been blindsided in this last, you know, almost two years now, a year and a half, where, you know, you know, having Gen P in my life and, you know, other, other friends in my life where we have, we take care of each other. We talk to each other all the time. We provide support for each other. And, you know, my life would not be as full of, as it is if it wasn't for Gen P. I mean, 22 years later, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty amazing. And, and then I get the opportunity to talk to all of these other people and have them, you know, like, like she was saying, they get to share their stories and who knows what you're going to hear in those situations. That's going to be like, Oh, you know, you, you can hear the same thing, you know, 20 times. And then somebody says it to you again, just in a different way. And you're like, Oh yeah, I can see myself in that. It's sort of similar to almost how you guys started the podcast. right? Yeah. Like no, the, I was going to say that. Exactly. That's yeah, why we started the podcast. Yeah. For people to share their stories. I mean, it's for people who are just day-to-day people who don't have that platform to share it with everyone else. And we've met a lot of people that we've networked. Um, I mean, look at JP now is on here as a regular co-host with us. And we really appreciate it. She brings ideas and questions that we wouldn't, we wouldn't think to ask. And uh, But it's just, it gives the opportunity for anyone to speak and, and share their story. I've had people on and they're like, you know what? Specifically, my cousin with the autism, he said, you know, it was good to talk about it, you know, and um, because he probably doesn't have that chance to speak to someone who wants to listen to him over a period of time and, you know, speaking to an adult and telling him his his issues and maybe helping someone else along the way. That's the key to this. And that's why we do this. We have fun with it and give chance for people to um, to share their story. Yeah, I appreciate that. Thank you. No, thank you. I really appreciate it. I mean, you just sit and hang out. I like that. I like that. It's just that I like the relaxed atmosphere and you can just sit and chat and hang out and yeah. 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 So do we, and I'm waiting for my brother for a sarcastic remark because he's got a smile (laughs) on his face. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Nancy, we thank you for, uh, for joining us and we wish you the best of luck with, um, with, uh, 
ultimate youth community center and, and everything that you're doing, um, even with the Bowen work and continuing success there. So we're interested in hearing more how yeah. that goes. Thanks. So what would be, how would people, uh, people to get in touch with you if they wanted to, to speak to you or any, do you have any social media sites or any other ways that they can get in touch with you for any? Mostly it's my website. So I do have a social media site, but I'm more active on my drinks with destiny site than I am on my bone work site. My bone work site, it, I have my web, my web pages, which is just balancedbonework.com, And I can email that stuff to you as well. Balancedbonework.com. Mm -hmm. Most of my business is referral. Some people just Google me and like I, I, out of the three new clients I had today, this week, two were referrals and one just Googled me and that, and that was it. I don't do a lot of social media with Bowen work because honestly, I don't need to anymore. I did for the longest time. So most of my social media stuff is all about my community, um, my community pages with Drinks with Destiny. Good. All right, perfect. Yeah. Not that I don't need more bone with business because no, I, I hear. I yeah. Get <laughs> I get it. I, I always do. I always do. So yeah. Because you know what? People get better and then I don't see them anymore. So I need people to take their place. <laughs> oh. <laughs>